Welcome to Transform Church, and thanks so much for spending part of your weekend with us. My name is Mark Pisani, and I'll be your host for this service. We're just about to get things kicked off here in just a moment, with the band coming out to lead us in a couple of songs. Just before we do, we would love it if you can share this video with your family and friends, and invite them to join you. Also connect with us in the chat and tell us where you're watching from, and say hi to everyone. We're going to jump into worship now, so join with us as we sing together.
cross as you wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found Welcome once again to Transform Church Online. I can't wait to get into the message and hear what our speaker has for us today. Before we do, please do us a favour by sharing this broadcast on your social media platform so we can reach others with these life-transforming messages. This is as simple as clicking the thumbs up icon on Facebook. And if you're joining us on YouTube, please do the same. And also don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We would love to see you in person. Visit us at 88 Agar Drive, Truganina. That's in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Now, as we get into the message, feel free to engage with us and share your thoughts on the message. Or just say hi and let us know where you're joining us from. Let's jump right into it now and join our speaker for today, Pastor Gregory J. Williams, as he brings us this message titled, Needy Nags. Who's excited for episode number three? So we're in the series called Relational Vampires. How to love the people that suck the life out of you. All right. So episode one, we talked about, anyone remember? Control freaks, that's right. Last week, we talked about life critics, people that criticize you and have no right sometimes to criticize you. You know, and we talk about vampires because vampires, you know, even though they might be fictional, they actually suck blood. And so we have relational vampires that suck the life out of you because sometimes, you know, they just take the air out of your day. They take everything out of you. And so sometimes, you know, we get all these feelings associated with that. We feel drained. We feel weary. We feel depleted because when we hang around certain types of people, it's like all the energy just disappears from you, right? And your day just has a sudden dive was great, met someone, crashed. Not good. Because as Christ follows, we are supposed to be encouraging people. We are supposed to be inspiring people. We're supposed to inspire one another. We're supposed to lift one another up. We're supposed to give strength and you know, encouragement to people around us. So we don't want to end up in that situation where people avoid us and feel like we are the people that are sucking the life out of them. We want to be people that actually bring encouragement into people's world, right? You agree? Yes. Hopefully you'll be agreeing by the end of this message. So today, as I said, we talked about controlling people. We talked about critical people. And today we're going to talk about overly needy people. And so the title I have for you is called Needy Nags. Right. So every group that you have, every friendship group, life group, hangout group, whatever it may be, has someone in that group that is especially needy, right? That wants your attention, if your hands up. Anyone have that? Hands up? Some of you are shy. Especially 
they want more attention from you or someone else in the group. And if you don't give them the right attention or the attention they need, they're going to go into depression. They're going to sit there and pout. They're not going to talk. They're not going to engage in conversation. Everyone has them. You know, whatever group that you're in, whether it's a work group, social group, life group, friendship group, whatever it may be, they just want that little bit of extra attention from you. So often, these people are actually going through pain. They're actually going through some hurt in their lives. They don't want to be needy, but because of circumstances, they've experienced some trauma in their life. Maybe they didn't receive the love they should have from their parents. Their parents were neglectful. Maybe they didn't have the right attention in school, whatever it may be. Sometimes they have deep-rooted hurt that is coming from. And so it's just manifest in this thing that where they're extra needy, they need your attention, they need to just sit there with you and take up all of your time. But sometimes that actually drains us as well, right? So the question we have today is, how do we love and care for needy people? Because we understand that they are hurting and they might need a little bit of extra attention. That's true. And they might need help. So how do we love people like this? You know, you recognize them. When you see them, you know it's going to be a long conversation, right? It's not a five-minute session. It's going to be drawn out to two hours. We're going to be talking about life issues. We're going to be having some deep-seated conversations. You're looking at your watch. They just pretend that you don't know what's happening. They dominate the conversation. They always have something happening in their life that's negative. You know, they're always playing the victim like everything is happening to them and everyone else is targeting them and picking on them. And, you know, there's some drama or crisis that's always happening in their life. It seems like one week or one day doesn't go by without some dramatic event that's happening in their life. And no matter what you do, no matter what you do for them, it's never enough. You give and you give, and you give, and it seems like they want more, and more, and more. And you can't give enough. It might be one of those relatives that you don't want to visit, because you know you're going to have to plan, because that's going to take up your whole day. It might be this lonely guy in a life group that doesn't have anyone around them, so when they get to life group, they're just going to let out everything they've pent up with, and they're going to have a conversation with you, and you can't get a word in edgewise. There might be a friend of yours who's constantly asking you, hey, do you have a few dollars? I'm always short. You know, I'm a bit short here. I'm a bit short there. Can you lend me something? Or a co-worker that's always fishing for compliments, like, how well did I do on that report? Was it good? Did you like my last report? It was awesome, wasn't it? What do you think? Maybe they're just in a hot mess, right? Their life has just gone through some struggles, and they need to explain to you in minute detail every single thing of every minute of the day, and you just sit there and listen to their whole explanation, their whole story, and your day is just done because you have nothing else now to do. The reality is that it is complicated. It's complicated because some of these people are people we love and care about, right? And so it's not so easy to just cut them off you know, unfriend them and never talk to them again because they might be in our life like a friend, a good friend, a family member, a relative, someone you love and care about, even your husband and wife. So it is complicated. And, and the reality is that when we, when we feel like we have to pull back, we often associate that with guilt because if I'm withdrawing myself, then I feel guilty because I've somehow let this person down. Even though I, I feel I can't give anymore, but if I just withdraw 
I feel guilty. We're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. We don't know where to go. We want to help. We desire to help. But it just doesn't seem like our help is good enough or sufficient enough. So how do we help these hurting people? Because they are hurting. How do we deal with them in our world? How do we love those and help them without actually causing them pain, causing them hurt, and honors God in the process? So the question that we have today is primarily this. How do we help without hurting? How do we help without hurting people? So I want to leave you with three big thoughts today, three big ideas that you can implement and take away with you and put into your world and, and deal with these people. Because I remind you again, we don't want to negatively impact them. We want to love them through the love of Christ. But how do we deal with them without our lives being impacted in negative ways? Are you ready to go? Number one, here we go. We give strategically, right? We give strategically. Most of the time, we don't give strategically, we actually give emotionally. It feels good to help someone in need. And technically, that gives us a shot of highness. You know, the dopamine gets released in our brain. We help someone. It's the same kind of thing you do when you press like on Facebook. The dopamine just floods into your brain. Instead of focusing on what they want, or what gives us relief, we have to ask ourselves the question, what do they need? What do they need? And what will genuinely, really help them? Not emotional giving, but prayerful, strategic giving. We, we actually consider it prayerfully. I'm going to give you an example through the scriptures. There was an instance where Peter and John who were followers of Jesus, who were apostles of Jesus at that point. And Christ had already ascended. And at one particular time, they were going down to the temple for worship. Right? It was about three in the afternoon. They were heading to the temple. They were probably having a conversation. And as they approached the gate of the city, the temple there, there was a man who was born who was lame from birth. And every day, his family or his friends would take him down to the gate and put him there so he could beg because he couldn't work. So he had to earn a living somehow. And so they figure that if they take him down to the gate every morning and sit him there and all travelers and passerbys come through, they have to go to the temple, they have to come out of the temple, hopefully that he can petition someone, he can beg someone for some money and that will help him, right? So he kind of resorted to begging because that's what he wanted. He wanted money. So the scriptures tell us as Peter and John were going down to the temple, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he looks at these two guys and he's like, hey, these look like guys that have something with them. Maybe I can call out to them and ask for something. They might be able to give me something. What did he ask for? What does the scripture say? He asked them for... It's right there on the screen, right? He asked them for money. That's right. He's looking at them and he's saying, I want some money. Because I'm a lame person, I'm a beggar, give me some money because that's what's going to help me. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention. Why did this man give him his attention? What was he expecting from Peter? He was expecting to get something from them. What was he expecting to get from them? 
That's right, he was expecting money. That was his expectation because that's what he came for. You know, hurting people have learned, if I'm loud enough, if I say things long enough, if I'm, you know, consistent in taking this, talking about it, someone will come to my help. Someone will come and help me out of this situation and give me what I'm asking for if I do it long enough. Hurting people demand attention, especially as needy people. And we emotionally give because we see what they want and we think, well, maybe we can go out of our way and help them and provide for them. And this guy, he relied on people. It was an emotional thing. They felt sorry for him. So every morning, his family or his brothers or sisters or his neighbors, they would carry him up and they would take him down to the temple and they'd put him there because that's what he wanted them to do. So they felt guilty if they didn't do it for him. So they carried him down there every day. And so it was giving money because as you passed by and you saw this guy who was lame and you felt sorry for him, you think, you know, what can I do? Maybe if I give him a few coins, toss a few coins his way, it'll help him in his life. And that makes me feel better because I'm helping this poor guy and he can get helped. And so that's, what's, that's the easy thing to do, to give him some money, throw some coins his way. But giving him money hasn't really solved his problem, has it? It hasn't solved his issues. See, our temporary action will relieve our guilt, but never solve the problem. A temporary action of giving someone their immediate desire, their wants, will temporarily leave our guilt because we might feel guilty, but will never solve the true problem. What did this lame man want? He wanted money. What would have been easy to give him? It would have been money, and then they could just walk on their way. Tossing some loose change is the easy answer to the problem. And it even felt good. But that's not what Peter and John did. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they didn't give him what he wanted. They gave him what he needed. Right? So this is what the scriptures tell us. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I have no money to give you. But what I do have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Take him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. What he wanted was money. What he needed was a touch from God. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter said, I don't have money, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to take you and lift you up. And you will be healed because that's what he needed. He needed healing from his hurt. He didn't need to be tossed some money. That's what he wanted. But what he needed was a touch from God. So often in our world, we meet people's desires and their wants. But that does not solve their problems. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to move when we meet people's wants because we're giving emotionally to them. There's no room for God's miracle because we're not giving them what they need. We're just giving them what they desire and what they want. So rather than fill emotional wants, let's prayerfully invite God into that situation. Say, God, how can I meet the person's need and not just give them what they want? How can I actually solve the problem and let God inspire us, and we have room now 
for the Holy Spirit to move, for God to do a miracle. Peter and John didn't give him a hand out. They gave him a hand up. And so often in our world, we give hand outs because we think we're just helping people, but we're not actually solving their problems. What we need to do is give them a hand up out of their situation. But see, the problem is giving a hand up might take a little bit more time. It might take a little bit more energy. It might take a little bit more prayer. It might take a little bit more faith. It might take a little bit more reliance on God. It might take a little bit more sacrifice on our part than just giving emotionally. Because it requires us to be strategic, to ask God to intervene in the situation. And it might be, feel good for a moment to give a hand out it makes us feel holy. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we're better than the next person. But it's a hand up that will change a life. Not a hand out. And that's why we need to prayerfully ask God to help us deal with people so we can really help them in their time of need and not what they want. What he wanted... And what he needed were two different things. When we try to give people what they need, be warned, they will usually try to guilt you into doing something they want. They will say things like, if you really love me, then you would give me the attention I want. If you really love me, then you'll give me the dollars I'm asking for. If you really love me, and cared about me, then you'll give me your time. They throw out the guilt. We need to have the wisdom to say, because I love you, I'm going to give you what you need and not what you want. Because I love you, I'm not going to validate your temporary need for attention and time. I want you to learn to love and accept you for who God made you to be. I want more for you than you want for you. That might be hard to say, but it's true. People that want more time with me or you, we can say, hey, what you need is to learn to develop your identity in Christ. Not just going to do what you want, I'm going to try to do what is right. Not just going to tell you what you want to hear, I'm going to lovely tell you what you need to hear. There have been times in my life, especially in my role as a pastor, where I've had to sit down with people and tell them the hard truth of life. It hasn't been easy because what they've come for is some emotional uplifting. They want to feel good in their problems. They want people to pat them and say, it's okay, I know you're going through problems, everything will be okay, God will solve all your issues. But that's not the truth of the situation. And sometimes we have to allow God to transform us in the middle of our problems. And the only way that can happen is if we face the reality of the situation. And sometimes God will allow us temporary pain to bring us to eternal relationship. So number one, we give 
strategically. Number two, we serve wisely. We serve each other wisely. Look how Jesus cared for people. Look how Jesus did his ministry. He served selflessly. He loved unconditionally. He gave generously. He taught faithfully. And he listened compassionately. But what Jesus also did was that he would stop and go off by himself to spend time with his father, to recharge himself, and then he would come back and serve faithfully again. Because we can't be pouring out constantly and feel full. This was Jesus' rhythm of life. As he served, as he gave, as he poured out, he would go back and he would recharge himself with the Father. He spent time with his heavenly Father, and so he was able to pour out of that recharge. In order for you to keep giving out, you need to pause to fill up. In order for you to give out, you need to pause to fill up. Listen to the scripture about Jesus. It says here in in Mark, Mark was telling us this. Peter was actually telling the story to Mark. It says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. We're looking for you everywhere, Jesus. There's people demanding your attention. There's people coming around and saying, you know, we need this person healed. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. But Jesus withdrew himself because he realized how important it was for him to be full before he could pour out, before he can give out. And sometimes we become emotional wrecks because we're giving out and we're running on empty. We're running because... We've been pouring out, we've been giving out, we've been giving, and we haven't had time to recharge and fill up. And what that leads us as to be critical people, it leads us to be people that will be short with other people. And we're not actually being loving because we have short words and attitudes because when we're empty, we're going to give out what's there. And there's nothing there to give out, so what we give out is frustration and anger. You know what happens when you're on an airplane, right? Before you take off, they give you instructions. They tell you, you know, if if the plane loses oxygen, if something happens, oxygen mask will drop. Put on your mask first before helping someone else because that's the reality of the situation. You need to be able to help someone and you need oxygen to help the person next to you because if you don't help yourself first, you can't help the person next to you. And sometimes we need to be full of God's spirit and be recharged by his presence before we can go out and help needy people because we can't give what's not in us. Jesus told a parable about the good Samaritan. You remember the parable? Those of you who don't know the story, Jesus told the story about a man who went up to the temple. He's coming back home. Thieves and robbers got him took his money, beat him, took all his clothes and let him for dead down the side of the road. And a few people passed by and then comes this Samaritan who was actually despised by the people because he wasn't part of their culture. And it says that he cared, he had compassion, he felt sorry, he saw this person in need and he was prompted to do something. He helped him up, 
He, put, he took his resources, his wine and his bandages, and he bandaged the person up. He put him on his own donkey, and he took him to a nearby hotel room, you know, and said to the hotel manager, he said, this guy is really sick. Here's a few coins that will help him take care of him, make sure he's okay, give him some food, make sure he's, he's well. I'll come back after a while and see if there's anything else he needs, and if there's any bills to pay, I'm going to pay them. Have you ever thought and asked yourself the question, where did the good Samaritan go? Where did he go? Because he says, I'm coming back. Where do you think he went? What do you think his job was? He's probably a merchant. He's probably a traveler, whatever it is. He went off to do his job because he realized that you, he can't help someone else if he doesn't get money for himself. How can he give out money to this guy if he hasn't earned any money? So he went off to recharge, to get whatever resources he needed so he can help this person in need. If our cup is full, we can pour out. If our cup is empty, we can't pour out. See, we are not responsible to make sure others' cups are full. We can only fill our cup, and when it's full, we can pour it out to other people. You can't be responsible to fill someone else's cup. But the reality is that you can't give what you don't have. When we spend time with God, we're being refilled with His Spirit. We're being refilled by His energy. We're being respilled by who He is. And we get the perspective of His wisdom. We get the insight from His words. We, get, we gain strength for His supply. And when we spend time being refilled by God, we can actually help other people in need. See, here's an important principle. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. So number one, we give strategically. Number two, we serve wisely. And number three, we trust completely. We trust God completely. Now, this is going to get a bit rough, so strap on your seatbelts. We have to help the way God leads us to help. We have to trust Him for the consequences. We ask for His help with needy people, and we follow His leading. Because here's the truth. It's insulting and dangerous to think that I'm someone's answer. It's insulting and dangerous for you to think that you are someone's answer. Jesus is the answer. We are not the answer. We are to be his servants. Jesus is the power source and we are the conduits. Jesus is the power and we are the delivery system. If you think God needs you to fix someone else's problem, you don't really know who God is. If we step into someone's life and actually take the place of God, we are preventing God from doing His work in their life. And we don't become the solution, we become part of the problem. So therefore, we need to act prayerfully. We need to do what he asks us to do. 
And that's why we need to consult him before we step in. Because we need his wisdom, we need his thought, we need his words. This is a principle that's throughout scripture, right? This principle goes right through. Jesus tells the story, another story of a good father. We often call it the prodigal son, right? So the story is this. There was a wealthy landowner. He was a good father. He has a loving family. He has two sons. The younger son comes to him and says, I wish you were dead because I could get what's coming to me. But since you're not dead, just give me what, I, what you owe me and I'm going to be on my way because I have plans for my life that don't include you. The father, even though it was highly insulting, consented to give this young son what he asked for. So the young son, he took his money, he went on his way and did everything he could to dishonor his father and his family. He lived a life that was filled with debauchery. He lived a life that just was filled with excess. He spent all the money that he had on doing foolish living. That's what the scripture says. He ran away from home where he was loved and wanted and went to people that could care less about him. The father, he loved his son. He prayed for his son, but he didn't go and rescue his son. He didn't rescue him. He didn't rush over every time he had a problem with his friends, any time he paid more money than he was owed, and he didn't rush over and bail him out of every bad decision his son did. He prayed, he watched, every day he would go up to the rooftop and he'd look to see where his son was, waiting for his son to return home. But he didn't go out and rescue him. And he was a good father. He waited until the young son finally ended up in a pig pen and the scripture says he came to his senses. Rescuing isn't always helping. Rescuing someone isn't helping them. As a parent, if you have a, a baby and the baby's trying to learn to walk and you say, oh, I, I don't want him to fall over because when he, fall over, he falls over, he's going to cry, he's going to bruise his little knees, he's going to be upset. So every time he tries to walk, if he's going to fall, I'm going to go lift him up. Just to make sure he doesn't fall, I'm going to make sure I carry him. Are you helping this child? Because the child has to fall in order to learn how to walk and how to gain balance. But if you try to prevent that from happening, you're not helping your child. You are hindering and hurting your child. Sometimes we have to allow people to learn the lesson that God wants them to learn for them to mature. And sometimes we think, well, that's not Jesus, is it? come back to that in a second. See, sometimes we try to help people in their desires and we prevent them from being mature and learning the lesson that God wants them to learn. Now, this might be hard and we want to protect the people that we love, but when we stop and step into God's lesson, we're actually hindering them. Not helping them is actually loving them. If you have someone who's always late to work, maybe they need to learn, lose their job in order to learn responsibility. 
If they party their brains out and don't go to school and class, maybe they need to fail and realize that it's important for them to go to school to get a good education. Maybe when you, they charge up their credit card bills, getting a whole bunch of fashion outfits to pose on Instagram, and then come to you to help you pay their credit card bill, you say no, because they need to learn the responsibility of money. People make poor life decisions and then play the victim and want us to feel sorry for them. But they need to learn the responsibilities of their actions. As the scripture says, God is not mock. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. Sometimes people learn to lead the consequences of that. And as I said before, if you're saying this is not Jesus, this is not how Jesus loves, let me put this to you. Jesus forgives our sins, but he never removes the consequences of our sins. You deal with the consequences. He removes the blot, but you pay the consequences. Because you have to learn the lesson of maturation. And sometimes we can't rescue people out of their bad decisions because maybe God is teaching them something. Because like the prodigal son, some of us need to get hit rock bottom before we actually call on God. Some of us get to the place where we don't have anyone else to turn to before we call on the God that wants to help them. And sometimes, as I said before, God allows us to go through temporary pain because he wants to give us an eternal relationship. And over and over again in scripture, you see people hit rock bottom and they call on God. They turn to God in their distress. They turn to God in their pain. They turn to God in this situation. So sometimes God allows it to happen because he wants them to have a relationship with him. And the only way they will get that is through the pain. And when we step in and rescue people, we're not helping them. And we're not doing what God wants us to do. I've seen people in my own life, when I first came to Christ, I had a bunch of friends. Some of them were in drugs. Some of them were drug dealers that ended up in prison. And when they ended up in prison, they turned to God. Because everything else was taken away. And in that place of loneliness, they found him. And now they're serving him. They're pastors and leaders in the church. That would have never happened if people rescued them from their situation. Sometimes the hard lesson is the wisest lesson. So, in saying all of that, I hope that we are in a position when we are in a place that we don't actually come from a place of superiority, that we come from a position of humility. Be careful not to feel superior when you're trying to help someone because we don't have project people. Oh, I'm, that's my pet project. I'm helping them because, you know, I'm so much better than them and I'm there to help them in their problems. No, that's not how we should be. We need to help people by loving them. Loving them through the issues of life. And ultimately, we recognize that we are also people in need. I've been on mission trips to various parts of the world, and I've seen people in poverty, and when I first went on a mission trip, I went with the perspective of, I'm going to help them. 
because they're living in a state that might be impoverished. They don't have cars and homes like I do. But what I ended up discovering was actually they poured into me because in the middle of their poverty, in the middle of not knowing where their next meal came from, they had joy. They, had, they were satisfied with their life. And I came away being filled more than I went to pour out. I got poured into by their attitude, by their humility, and by their love for God that I do not find sometimes in the Western world, their reliance on God. And I came back being filled more. And so sometimes I go, when I go on a mission trip, I am overjoyed because I get to get poured into by people that have less than me monetarily but are rich more than I am spiritually. They might be financially impoverished, but I might be relationally needy. And I've realized that in all the situations, as Christ follows wherever we are, our duty in all of it is to point each other to Jesus. We might have something that someone else has, and they might have something that we don't have, but our duty in everything is that we ultimately we all need it because we all need Jesus. And so therefore, our job is to point each other to Jesus point each other to Christ, to encourage one another, because when we encourage one another to Jesus, we're actually giving them the best thing they could possibly have. And when we come together, you know, we come together in corporate worship as we had this morning, it was so amazing, because there's something different that I, I experience with God than I do when I'm by myself and prayerfully. I might be praying by myself and worshiping by myself, but when we gather together, there's a different experience of God. And that says, I need you just as much as you need me, because when we gather together as a church, we actually experience something better than experiencing it by ourselves. So I need you just as much as you need me. And ultimately, when we all work together, we love better. When we serve together, we serve better. Because we need him more and more. And as David said this, which I love, this is what he says. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, Lord do not delay. We find healing and fulfillment in a community, and that community is our church, because we realize we need each other. There's something that you have that I need. There's something that I have that you need. And so ultimately, we all come to this place where we're needy, because I'm not the answer. You are not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so therefore... All of us, in our worship, in our encouragement, in our talk, in our messages, all of us should be pointing each other to Jesus. Because He is the one that meets every need. Every time. And that is how we love and care for needy people. Because ultimately, we are all in desperate need of His love and His attention. The best witness we have, according to Jesus, is that we love and care for one another. Because when we love and care for one another, the world recognizes that we are genuine followers of Jesus. When we need each other. So in all of this, let's not forget that we are also in desperate need of His presence. So I have two questions for you and then we'll pray. Number one, how can we love and help people who demand more than we can give? 
How can we love and help people more than we can give? How do we actually meet their needs and not what they want us to do? Some of us want us to agree with them. They want us to condone. They want us to accept. They want us to just say, cajole them and say everything will be okay. That's what they want. But is that what they need? So how can we love and help people who demand more than we can give? Walk that through in your life today. The reason we have questions is that you can take something away. It should be portable and it should be memorable. So when you take it away, it's like a takeaway container, you know. You go home, you put it in the fridge, and when you're hungry, you can eat it. That's what that question does. Take it away. When you go home, you think about it, and you put it into your world. Number two, how can we encourage each other with a hand up instead of a hand out? How can we encourage each other with a hand up instead of a hand out? Sometimes when we help people, we actually take away their dignity. Because we're saying, you can't do this, and it might be a single mother that's working hard, and they might not have you know, gifts for Christmas, and we'll come along to the kids and go, look, we've got gifts for you. What's that telling those kids is that your mother's not good enough. I have to come in and do it. Rather, what we say is, hey, is there something that you, can, you want us to help with? Or, you know, we have some work in the house and they come and do some work and you give generously to them. That gives them dignity. Right? It doesn't give them a hand out. It gives them a hand up. So how can we encourage each other with a hand up instead of a hand out? Those of you who don't know Jesus have not put your hand in his hand he is the ultimate hand up he can help us through difficult seasons and difficult circumstances whatever we may be going through temporarily he's able to help up and if you haven't made that decision I want to encourage you that all of us that have decided to follow Jesus we have come to a point where we, we realize that we are needy and we are desperate. And we said, we want you, Jesus. We need you in our life. We need you desperately. So every single one of us that have decided to follow Jesus have come to that place where we said, Jesus, I need you. We even have a song we call, Jesus, I need you, right? Because we need him. I need him. I'm desperate for him. More than the air that I breathe, more than the food that I eat, I need Him more and more. And there'll never be a season or a time in my life where I require less of Him. And in that state, I'm a needy person because I need Him more and more. I need Him more tomorrow than I need Him today. And I'll need Him more the next day than I did the following. We all need Him. We're desperate for Him. So let's stand as we pray. And if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to put your hand into his hand. As Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up. Rise up from your situation and your circumstance and put your hand in the master's hand.
decide to follow Jesus. If you haven't made that decision yet, we'll be so happy to help you do that today. So come see me, one of the leaders, and we'll help you with that. For the rest of us, let's lift our hands as we pray and ask Jesus one more time, Lord, I need you. Father, we need you more and more every single day. We're desperate for your presence. We're desperate for who you are. You are more than enough in all the circumstances of our life. You meet every need. So we come to you again and again, over and over, and say, Lord, I need you more. Because ultimately, we are in a state of need. So Lord, bless your church. Pour out of your endless resource into our lives, into our families, into our community, and into our church. Uplift us and strengthen us. Lead us and guide us. Let us hear your voice. Let us feel your presence more today than we did yesterday. We desire you more and we need you more. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in the church, in our community, and in our lives. We're desperate for you. And we desire you more and more. We thank you for who you are, what you're doing, and will continue to do. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today at Transform Church. We hope that you were encouraged by the message and we are so grateful that you spent time with us. Now, if you've decided to follow Jesus or just have some questions, please get in touch with us by using the email address shown below. We would love to guide you as you take these important steps. If you'd like to visit us in person, we would love to meet you just let us know where you will be joining us and we will be here with open arms to welcome you and show you around. If you would like to support Transform Church, please type the link shown below into your web browser and it will provide you with all your giving options. Been awesome having you with us and we hope to see you again soon. Don't forget to apply what you've learned today and come back and let us know how this has helped you. Bye for now. We hope you have an amazing week. See you next time.